Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. So we are together, especially for you that may be here for the first time, one of the first times, we're right now reading through a book of the Bible together, and the congregation will tell you what the book of the Bible is. Oh, you guys were weak. Yeah, that's right. And um, a couple weeks ago, as we were getting really just into the first chapter, we discovered... um, Kind of an outline that John had, you might say, but three strands that seem braided together of, of life that is thriving. Oh, I should pause there. So who's, who's the author of 1 John? And he's like one of the apostles, the one really close to Jesus. And uh, like, what's his age, approximately? So he's like 90 years old. So it's like great-grandpa gathers the family together, and he's not like, well, kids, you know. He's not like that. He's like vibrant. He's like passionate. And he's given the family this, this talk to, encouragement. But you feel there's passion. You feel like this man is still thriving. And some of the history was the emperors tried to kill him. And that won't even work. And he's like probably in his 90s. It's, it's, he's the last living apostle um, and he's got so much life. So we noticed three strands of a thriving life. Remember that? And Kevin just said the first one was koinonia, a weird word, Greek word. And we, we talked about how um, the word that it's translated to in our English Bibles just doesn't have enough. It just doesn't tell like it is. Because usually it comes out fellowship. And when we hear fellowship, we think maybe potluck? I don't know. It's just kind of weak. But when... John is writing about this word koinonia. He's talking about an intimate communion where we are one together in service, in worship, in celebration, in mourning when that's appropriate, carrying each other. But specifically, koinonia with the Son and the Father and with each other and with each other together with God, that there's something powerful for thriving in life, and we, we saw that there's a priority that we need to make for koinonia, and our friend Dustin told me, I think the correct pronunciation is gunanija, koinonia gunanija, because I'm going to need you. Yesterday, I was at a funeral, a memorial, and um, the man who died died of COVID, and he died much too young. But we discovered when we were all together in a really dark time that we had koinonia. And there there was, I don't know, probably a couple hundred of us. And there was worship, and there was care, there was weeping, there was laughter. And you could feel it, and we remarked about it. It was like tangible in the room. We weren't mourning like those who have no hope. We had fellowship, we had communion, we had intimacy with God the Father and with each other and with each other with God. It was powerful. So that was the first of those three strands. You guys are doing a great job of learning. You're getting ready to teach the Bible. So what was the second strand? Walking in the light. 
he said, he said, you guys, walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. Don't walk in the darkness. And that theme, light, darkness, and sin, righteousness, I said it backwards, righteousness, sin, light, darkness, and love and hate, those are, he's, he does these contrasts throughout his talk with the children. And there was a third strand, and I just sort of referred to it. So it was pointing in. Live in the light. Don't live in the darkness. Live in the light. You might step into the darkness, and if you do, quickly confess your sins, and Jesus is faithful. He's just. He'll not only forgive you your sins, he'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So do you remember the third strand? Gosh, you guys are good. Walk in the way of love, which is demonstrated, we'll read it today in the third chapter, by Jesus laying down his life for us, and we are called to walk in that kind of love. Those three, we discovered, will get us through thriving in life, it seems like, just really simple principles. And then last week, we talked about the various attacks, two attacks in particular, that our enemy brings against us. The first one was the attack of tempting us to love this world, and he's speaking not of the people of the world, but the systems of this world, and he talked about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride and arrogance about what we have and what we do. And he said, none of that is from the Father. And we talked about how walking in the light, walking in the way of love, prioritizing koinonia fellowship with each other and with God are strong defenses because a, great, a strong offense is a great defense, was kind of the, the thought. So I'm saying all this because... Um, we're reading a letter, and it's just a few pages, and it's kind of awkward to read a letter over the course of several weeks. You wouldn't do that if I wrote you a letter, I hope. I think I'll read the first paragraph and put it away for a week and read the next paragraph. It would be just like... So, so when we're doing a teaching like this, we need to review what we read to get to where we're going. You good? So we're going to be at the last verse of chapter 2 and then reading through hopefully all of chapter 3. And if you have a Bible, that's handy. Also, I think the scriptures are going to show up on the screen, so that's handy too. Let's pray together. Lord, it has been wonderful having intimate koinonia fellowship with you this morning. When we began to love you together and, and express our love in song, Lord, we didn't want to stop. It, just, it was like we were dancing with you singing with our Father, singing to our Father, receiving your love, loving each other. It's, it's already been wonderful being together. Thank you for this time. And now, Lord, as we open up this ancient word that is also fresh today, always living, always alive, always instructing, always inspiring, always confronting, let your word be rich in us. Help me as I try to unwrap what's in this text, be able to teach effectively what you want us to learn, help all of us to hear. We want to be transformed to become more like Jesus. We want to encounter your word like a mirror and see what we look like now and be changed as we're confronted and inspired and exhorted to walk in truth. Holy Spirit, come. Give us faith to receive your word, we pray. Amen. So, you know, I'll remind you, most of you have heard this many times, the chapter markings in your Bible were not there when John wrote the letter, just like you don't put chapters and verses when you write a letter. It was just a letter. 
but somewhere I think around the 800s, um, uh, priests thought it might be good if they put some chapter numbers and numbers in so that we could refer to where we are talking so we could all be on the same page. Because of that, sometimes there are chapter markings that feel like a stop and they really shouldn't be. And I think this is one of those cases. There's a thought in verse 28 that flows into verse, 29, into verse 1 of chapter 3. So that's where I'm starting. Verse 29, I said 28, I meant 29 of chapter 2. John says to us, gathered around the living room, sitting around great grandpa's feet, he says, if you know that Jesus is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Behold, and you'll notice on the screen probably the behold is in brackets. If you're reading the NIV, it just says, how great is the love of the Father has lavished on us. But, but John wrote the word behold, and it's a stop word. And it's in there for a reason. It's in the, the Greek manuscripts. So I put it in to make sure we saw it. You know that he who does what is right is born of God. Behold. And he pauses. Behold means stop. Look. Consider. Take it all in. And be in awe. Behold how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. He's just said... Everyone who's born of God does what is right. I think about this born of God thing. Wow, stop. You guys, behold how incredible it is, how awesome it is that God the Father has lavished his love on you and me so that we could be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world didn't know us, doesn't know us, doesn't recognize us as children of God is because it doesn't know him. So behold, what did the father have to do to be able to call me his son? Is it that, well, everyone's the creation of God, so aren't we all children of God? Well, yes, kind of in some uh, vanilla format. <laughs> but that's not really the teaching of the Bible. Jesus actually called the religious leaders the children of the devil. So it's not just default, you're alive, you're a human, God made you, you're called the children of God. It's, it's much deeper than that. For me to become someone that God the Father could proudly say, this is my son, he had, God the Son, the Eternal One, had to become human and be born in the natural human way, which is already crazy expensive for God to do. Live on this planet, Live a perfect life with all of the temptations that we face without sinning. Be led, guided by, empowered by the Holy Spirit so he could be an example to us for how we live. And then, on his appointed time, go through a bitter, suffering death on a Roman cross to take away my sins. He had to do all of that and then rise from the dead. And then he had to send followers of Jesus, disciples, into my life to tell me the story that Jesus died for me and he took away my sins. And if I would receive him, I could have freedom from sins and also be called a son of God. And then through that, he had to turn on the light in my heart so I'd go, oh, I see it. And then I had to, without being coerced, 
of my own free will that God gave me, received the gift of life, and at that point I was born again, and I became a child of God. But that wasn't even enough because he first had to form the nation of Israel, call Abraham to follow him and have his kids, and then create the entire sacrificial system so that when the sacrifice came into the earth, people would recognize, oh, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's all in the behold. How amazing. Everyone who's doing the right thing, living righteously, because Jesus lives righteously, so we know that everyone who's righteous is born of God. Behold, how great is this love of God that he's lavished on me, that he calls us. You and I who've given our lives to follow Jesus, he calls you his sons and his daughters. That's part of living a thriving life. Behold that truth and be in awe of it, the immeasurable expense. But it's more than that. He, God, could have looked on this earth and seen the mess we were making by our sinfulness that we constantly live in under the control of Satan, children of the devil, hurting each other, stealing, using, not living in love. He could have said, they're so lost, I'm going to make a way for them to be saved so they don't have to spend eternity in hell. But he didn't just do that. He said, I'm going to make a way so that not only will they be saved, they're going to become my children. Jesus is going to call them my brothers and sisters. Behold how great the love of God is. Charles Spurgeon was a really famous um, pastor and preacher in London in the 1800s, and he, when he was commenting about this, put in the, the sort of the voice of God these words, I have published it before heaven and earth and made the angels know it. You are my children. I'm not ashamed of you. I glory in the fact that I have taken you for my sons and my daughters. Little children, behold how great is the love of God that he's lavished on you. You're the children of God. And that last thing I just said, it's a life changer if you get it. God is not ashamed of me. Have you ever heard, have you ever, well, I don't know if I've done it from the pulpit, I probably have, but if you talk with me personally and ask me how my family is, you just might get the idea that I'm kind of proud of my kids. <laughs> have you ever noticed? Let me tell you about my son. <laughs> Let me tell you about my daughter. Oh, I am a proud daddy. I mean, I'm sure your kids are fine, but my kids... <laughs> My daughter is so beautiful. My son is so handsome. And they're so talented. And I love hanging out with them. I've heard that some parents aren't that great with their kids. They don't like them. I love my kids. You guys, that's how God feels about you. And when I know that I'm just not like the worm that God had to save because he's love and that's what he does, but I'm so valuable that he would spend everything heaven has to rescue me and adopt me. And I realize I make him happy. What, did you think of that? My kids make me happy. Did you know that God is glad to be your father? If you know that, it changes 
everything about how you live. It is remarkable. The reason the world doesn't understand that we're God's kids is because they don't know him. But if you know him, you find out that we are his kids. Just by the way, let me read this to you from John's gospel. Same author, John 1. He says, Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him. So when Jesus came to the world, though the world was made through him, he made this thing. Now he's living amongst us. The world didn't recognize him. So the same thing that he's writing about me in the letter. He came to that which was his own, but his own people didn't receive him yet. Here is where you learn about how to become a child of God. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision, not a husband's will, but born of God. Behold, how great is the love the Father lavished upon us, that he has made us to be his children, and that is what we are. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. He continues now, I'm in... Verse 2, that was a lot in one sentence, huh? Dear children, now we're the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. So we already are children, but there's more to come. And this is all part of thriving in life, being aware of this, beholding this, knowing this, living in this, which affects koinonia, walking in the light and walking in the way of love. What we will be is not made known, But we know that when Jesus appears, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as God is pure. Now, that's a big statement. Knowing who you are and knowing who you are going to be in all of eternity, who you are becoming, remember It's not like life ends when you die. It's more like life begins when you die. we we got to get that in our mind. By the way, eternity is already in session. You are living in eternity right now. A day is going to come when you're going to cross over into something called death. But Jesus said, those who believe in me will never even see death. So it's not like you die and you you stop living. It's like you walk through a room and you don't even see death because you're still with the Lord. And you're entering into a new room of life, which will someday bring you back to this earth, which he's going to renew, and you'll be living with him for eternity. You're not trying to make it to the end of your life. You're trying to prepare for eternity. And John says, dear children, look at how amazing God's love is that he's lavished on you. You're his children. And that's not the end of it because you don't even know what you will be. But when Jesus comes to receive you, you're going to be just like him. And if you hold that hope, it will affect how you live. You'll live differently than if you don't have that hope, that if you don't know that you're the daughter and son of the living God and that you're becoming like Jesus, you might not live like it. You might live like you're something less. You might live in impurity. But if you know this, you will purify yourself. So here's part of thriving in life to the end. Know who you are and know who you're becoming and live into it. I'm just reading from Paul now. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, he turns out he agrees with John. They seem to have been knowing the same truth. Dear friends, 
Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That's all built into when John says, now, children, we know that Jesus is righteous, and those who do right are children of God. Whoa, behold, you are children of God. Look how much love God the Father has lavished on you to go without sparing any expense to make you his child, and that's not enough because you're going to become like Jesus. And if you'll think and hope and behold that truth, it will purify how you live. That's worth a selah. That's where you just stop and go, wow. Thank you. It's as though John just, he burst into a praise break right there. He was reading along and he just, whoa, like I got to praise for a second. If you, by the way, if you don't know the word praise break and you have YouTube available to you, YouTube praise break, it will take you to some black church somewhere where people know how to really let loose with worship. And you'll see a praise break. <laughs> We're in the middle of preaching. Everyone gets up and starts dancing. <laughs> Have you ever seen this? Phenomenal. <laughs> anyway, that was an aside. <laughs> uh, so, in this next section, as we get to the, the read through the end of um, the chapter, I'll, I'll go a little faster, I won't take so much time, but isn't it fun to kind of unwrap the Bible like that? I want to tell you what I think is the summary of what we're about to read to help us understand it when we read it. Um, this, this next section, I'm, I'm actually choosing a particular translation on purpose. I'm moving to the New Living Translation because there's, there's some words in here that you could stumble on when you read it just in the NIV where it talks about those who are in Christ don't sin anymore. That's how it's said in the NIV. In, in the original, it says those who have become children of God don't continue in a lifestyle habitually of practicing sin. For some of us, when we read this, we go, I must not even be saved because I sinned, you know, like this morning. <laughs> and it's not saying that, so you hear that tense. But, but here's, here's how it goes. Um, he is, John is, talking to the family about false teachers who might lead them astray. There's, there's some competing false gospels. Some of them are saying something like this, you know, the body physically, phys physicality doesn't matter. The only thing that's important is spirituality. and It's a Greek dualism. Physical bad, spirit good. That's not a Christian viewpoint or a God viewpoint. It's all good. God made it all good. So that that line of false teaching goes down like this, and it says, so it doesn't matter what you do with your body. Live however you want to. Because the only thing that matters is your spirit. And I hear sometimes a version of that uh, modern, in modern day where people say, sin all you want, grace will cover it. And John's going to say, hold on, that's crazy talk. It does matter how you live. And how you live is a reflection of whose son you are, whose daughter you are. So he's, he's dealing with that, and he basically says, you know, it should be obvious, but I'll say it, those who are born of God don't live in sin. 
those who are not born of God are sadly still the children of, devil, of the devil. They're dominated by a lifestyle of sin. And then he says, you know what? The best way to distinguish between righteousness and sin is how well you love. The thing we started out with saying, like a few weeks ago. Those who live a life of love, actively demonstrating their love, are actually living in righteousness. Those who live a life of hatred are living in sin. So you can see that about yourself. If you're living constantly in hatred, you might want to look in the mirror and have a talk with God and see where you are with him. Because you can't live in God in the light and hate your brother. It's just not possible. It's just not a thing. And then he comes down to this. It really comes down to this at the end, and we'll see this as kind of the final verse. Believe in Jesus and love everyone around you. That's kind of the bottom line. So now let's read it together. So 1 John uh, 3, verse 4. Everyone who is sinning. So remember, children, if we know that Jesus is righteous, we know that those who are born of God do what's right. And you are the children of God. Now, everyone who's breaking God's law... Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God, or sin is lawlessness. It's a blatant disregard for God's commands. That's what sin is. It's like, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm willing to break your law because I think I want to, because I think I'm God. That's the attitude. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there's no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not continue to live in sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning doesn't know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what's right, it shows that they're righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who's been sinning since the beginning. Kind of strong words, huh? But it's just like the truth. Come on, people. You might see a bumper sticker that has a good truth, but can be misused. It says, Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. And some people take that to mean so they can live like the devil, because they're just forgiven. And it doesn't, that's not true. Christians are forgiven, and they're becoming like Jesus. They're sons of God, and they're starting to live in righteousness, and eventually they'll be like Jesus when he returns. So if you all how great is the love of God. When pe- verse 8, when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in, God's life is in them. God's life is in them. When you're born of God, God's life is in you. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. And just Let me quote from a, a commentator who says, this is just emphasizing this, not just sin, but the continual practice of sin. The Greek term translated practices is a present active participle. John has in mind a person who commits sin continually, persistently, habitually as a lifestyle, pursuing it, celebrating, planning more of it. So you'll remember at the beginning, John said, listen, if you say you don't have sin, you're just making God out to be a liar. So yeah, there is sin, but you don't live in the darkness. You don't live in sin when you become a child of God. You just don't do that, and that's, that's, a, good, that's a, a good thing to check out. That same commentator, David Guzik, says, the question is not 
do you sin or not? The question is, how do you react when you sin? How do you react when you discover that you've been sinning? See, if you're God's child, when you discover that you've been breaking his law, you go, oh no. That's not how I want to live. God, I'm so sorry. You might call a friend and say, I did it again. You know that thing we've been talking about? I fell again. Would you pray for me? You care. And that is evidence that your child is God. Not that you never sin, but that when you do sin, there's a reaction of, I'm not living like I'm a son of God right now. And John says, I mean, you notice he's talking about sin a lot. I, I understand that sin's been erased from the vocabulary in America. I guess it's not politically correct to use the word sin. The, the other day I, I was reading and someone came up to me and said, pastors never talk about sin. I was like, really? You just, that's because instead of using a highlighter, you use a black Sharpie when you're highlighting the Bible. And <laughs> you don't see it anymore. I don't recommend that. Use a highlighter. <laughs> How do you react? Let me just say a thing about this, back to walking in the light. This may sound like, oh, he's just being technical with language, but there's a big difference for me between trying to avoid sin and putting my focus on what I'm avoiding as opposed to trying to walk in the light and putting out my focus on what I'm living into and what I'm being. If my focus is on, I've got to name all the sins and figure out what I'm supposed to avoid and not sin, and I'm thinking about sin that I don't want to do, the next thing I know is that I'm doing the sin that I don't want to do. Have you discovered that? But if I... That's not me. I'm a child of God. I want to live into what I am. I am, so I'm going to live that way. And then if I fall into sin, I'll know it, and I repent of it and move on. I recommend the latter. Walk in the light as he is in the light, and you'll probably sin a lot less, and you won't have to worry about it. And if you do, get back up. Now, watch the next verse. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children are of the devil are. Who does, anyone who does not do right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his neighbor. John quickly ties love and righteousness. Love and righteousness. Love and righteousness. And here's some interesting thought. Righteousness without love turns you into a pharisaical religious person. You're all about righteousness without love. Human love without righteousness makes you a partner with evil. Doesn't matter what you do. God loves you. I love you. I'm okay. You're okay. We need love and righteousness. And they're not like a balance. A little more love, a little less righteousness. A little more righteousness. They're not like opposites of each other. They're the same. The expression of righteousness is love. The expression of love is righteousness. You don't have to choose between the two. Walk in righteousness and walk in love, and you will be thriving in life. And it's how Jesus modeled it. Have you ever noticed? 
he never made anyone feel bad about their sin unless they were a religious person. <laughs> then they felt bad because he they came down on them hard. But your average, everyday, sinful person, he just loved them, picked them up where they were, and he would say, hey, don't sin no more. So he was righteous with love. We are to be that way. So now John's going to switch gears and talk about love and hate. And we'll kind of get near to the end of the passage, I think, pretty quickly. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain. Do it. Does anyone know who Cain was in the Bible? Who was his daddy? Adam, good job. And uh, he killed somebody. Who did he kill? He wasn't Abel, so he killed Abel. He killed, can you imagine God creates the world, creates this perfect place, creates Adam and Eve, puts them in paradise, they disobey him in sin, and their first son is a murderer. Like, whoa, <laughs> that's amazing. This is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. And his brothers were righteous. Has anyone ever hated you for being good? Mm, that's what this is. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Don't be surprised. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers. When you discover that you love someone, it's an evidence you're a child of God. You have been born again. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Now, keep in mind, Paul was a murderer who no longer is a murderer because he was born anew and is not a murderer but one who has life in him. So there are people that we know who have murdered, but they're not murderers. So it's always present tense. That's past now they have life in them, and they have love in them. Hugely important. And what, man, what joy to be freed from hatred in your heart, to be given love in your heart. I have a friend who I, sometimes I'll ask, if it's a Christian friend, tell me, tell me your testimony. And I, I should always call him, and I never do, because I love to tell his story, and I, I'll just keep him nameless. Someone come up with a name. Sam? Okay, we'll call this guy Sam. Since someone said Joe, we'll call him Sam Joe. <laughs> Sam Joe was a, um, this is a true story though. He was not a follower of Jesus. He was a high schooler and he was a full-on racist. He was white and hated black people. Hate, evil, sin. And he was scheduled, he's probably 16, tomorrow to get in a fight, remember how you do in high school, I'm gonna see you after school tomorrow, dude, I'm gonna throw down. <laughs> and he's going to try to beat up this black kid because he hates him because he's a racist. The day before, his friend takes him to church and he hears the gospel and he received Jesus. This is a true story. The next day, he shows up for the fight and he sees the guy that yesterday he hated and he discovers, much to his confusion, that he's filled with love for him. 
Can you imagine the confusion? I was a racist yesterday, and today I love you. What is going on inside of my head? Because those who have been born of God love their brothers. Isn't that a powerful story? He knows. Someone said, do you have any evidence that you're saved? Yeah. I love now, and I hated before. This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us, which is where we started. Behold, how great is the love the Father has lavished on you. He lavished his love on you when Christ laid down his life for you so that you could be saved and called the children of God, children that God is happy to call his children, that Jesus is proud to call his brother and his sister. This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other, for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him. How can the love of God be in him? Can you see Grandpa John with the family? You guys, if you have stuff and you see this one and they don't have anything, how can you say you're son of God if you have no pity on them when you have everything they need to take care of their needs? Really practical. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue. I'm full of love, no. Actions speak louder in words. Let us show our love with actions and truth. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. Isn't that beautiful? If you're, if you're the kind of person who your heart condemns you and this voice says, oh, I'm not sure you're even saved. What a wicked person you are. If you have shown love to your brother, your heart can rest and go, oh, that's right. That's right. I actually am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before. This is where this is going now, this thriving life, beholding how great the love of God is, that I am the child of God, that he's lavished his love on me, and since he loved me and I've experienced his love, I'm now overflowing of his love to you because we love because he first loved us. So when I know that I'm a son of God, that he loves so much that he made me to be his son, and he's happy to be my son, I'm able to love you. And then there's truth in my life. So now I have confidence, and it affects my prayer life. We have confidence before God and receive him any, from him anything we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. Oh, obey his commandments. And then I think, oh, what is that? Now I'm in trouble again, more rules. Oh, but John helps us, and this is his command. To believe in him, to believe in the name of his son, and to love one another. That's it. That's it. By the way, what do you have to do? Believe in Jesus, and as a result, you'll love each other. It's so simple. It's not hard to be a follower of Jesus. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. This is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us, and that is John chapter 3. Now, that end part, I, I want to make sure that everyone doesn't miss this crucial part. Watching online, perhaps. Maybe in the building. Believing in Jesus doesn't mean I assent to some set of truths about who Jesus is. Yeah, he said he's the son of God. Okay, that must be true. Died for sins. Yeah, that's true. Rose from the dead. Yeah, that's true. Sure. Now let me get on with my life. That's not believing in. That's believing a truth. 
But to believe into Jesus, to believe in Jesus, means trusting him with your life. And when you trust him with your life, a miracle happens. You go from death to life. You go from hatred to love. You go from evil to righteousness. You go from son of the devil to son of God. It's powerful and it's a must. It's our message that Jesus has given us to share. And if you possibly are hearing me and you've believed about but you haven't believed in, I'm challenging you today. Make the change today. Choose to trust Jesus with your life. And it's as simple as telling him what you're doing. If you would like to trust Jesus with your life and enter into life that is thriving, pray this with me. Just look to God and say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. Come into my life. Save me. Cleanse me. Wash away my sins. Adopt me into your family. Make me a son, daughter of God. And show me how to love. Amen. Now, I, I gave them a, this projector guy a graphic with a phone, that same phone number again. And listen, you cannot do well to live a life of following Jesus outside of the fellowship, the koinonia, the gunanija of your family. So if you are committing your life to Jesus, like we just prayed, would you text the word commit to this phone number? Just text that word, and I will see that, and I will reach out to you, and I'll walk with you, and we'll connect, and your life will never be the same. Is that true, folks, that have received Jesus? <laughs> Listen, this is the best bargain on the planet. There's nothing like it. It's worth everything I have, receiving Jesus into my life. Let's stand together. Maybe the, the band can come up again. I think maybe they're going to sing, Jesus, we love you again. I don't know. Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to move amongst us. Lead us into a time of ministry. Holy Spirit, come. There's people here that are equipped to pray, and I'd like to invite some of them to make their way to the front so that you all can see them. Folks, Jesus always taught and then healed. His pattern over and over. We believe that God is here, present, able to help you in your need. And I'm asking you who have need, or asking you who are starting to walk with Jesus, to come and talk to one of these people, even the guy in the kilt. Because <laughs> real men wear kilts. <laughs> There's two kilts in the house. We might be near St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> or week. 
Have them pray over you. Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would give gifts of healing today. That people who right now have troubles, even diseases that are frightening, would come and be touched by you and set free. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, bring healing in this place. Bring healing in this place. Bring healing in this place. Just had a thought that there might be someone in the room who recently has discovered um, a small-ish lump in your body, not in one of your extremities, but somewhere inside here. And it could be a cyst that's benign. It could be a cyst that's cancerous and you're worried. If that is true, and that is you in this room, please come. Uh, God's just called you out to say, I want to touch you. Just That thought just crossed my mind. Might have been my imagination. Might have been the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure. That's why I just shared it. The Lord bless you and me and us. The Lord keep you. The Father who has called you as children, make his face to shine upon you and give you rest. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Walk in the light. Prioritize fellowship with each other with the Lord and walk in the way of love. And you'll do all right. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God. 